more week. Pastor's back on the way. As I told you before, it is always a privilege and an honor to share the Word of God with you. It is not something that I ever take lightly. And um, I got to tell you, I enjoy doing it. I don't know if I could do it every week. Being, uh, preaching every week is tough, man. If y'all ain't never done it before, it's hard. So my hat's off to pastor for doing it every week. My grandfather did it every week for 50 years. <laughs> so uh, just as a side note, um, it, for those of you who don't know, Angie can be bribed. Where's she at? Is she gone in the back? Oh, she's, oh, yeah, Angie can be bride. So I was supposed to teach 401 this morning, and uh, I had to preach too, and so I bribed her with a Starbucks. So if any of you are keeping record, you can write a note right now that she can be bought with a tall chocolate or a tall white chocolate mocha. <laughs> write that in your books, and that way if y'all ever need anything, y'all know what to get her. I'm in trouble. That's all right. I've been there before. <laughs> Proverbs 29, 18 in the Amplified says, Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. Today I want to talk a little bit about following God's vision for your life. Now, it's one thing for us to find vision, but it's another thing separately, totally opposite or different than finding the vision. Because once we find the vision, we have to apply it. It has to have application to our life, right? Just like an open book test. You remember I talked about last week having an open book test. Just because we have the book in front of us don't mean we know where to find the answer right? So we have to know where to find the answer, and not only do we know, have to know where we have to find the answer, we have to know how to apply the answer to our life. Now, that can be a challenging thing, right? Not easy to do all the time, but vision without application is useless, useless knowledge that never turns into action, Look, it can't be contained, and it must manifest itself in you. When God gives you that vision for your life, right, it becomes, let's stop right here. Jeremiah 20, verse 8 and 9. Listen to this. For whenever I speak, I cry out, I shout. This is Jeremiah. Violence and destruction for the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and a derision all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, then it, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary withholding in it, and I cannot. Now, how do we apply that? Well, when God gives you a vision, when God gives you that purpose in your life, it has to come out. It becomes wearisome not to do it. And so it's like fire, Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. I can't contain it. It's got to come out. 
right? How many of you guys have ever been sick before? You ever stomach bug before? Have you ever tried to stop from throwing up? It's impossible, right? It's physically impossible. You feel it, you feel it coming, you feel it coming, and before you know it, the floodgates open. Y'all don't want to be around me when I, when I throw up. It's ugly. But the, you can't contain it. As much as, I, I hear people say all the time, I hate throwing up. I will, I, but if I feel sick, it makes me feel better to do it. Well, here's the thing. I know that this is a crazy example, but that's the same thing with the word of the Lord in you. It has to come out. It can't stay contained in you. And this is what Jeremiah was saying. So following the vision of God for your life can be a very daunting task. It takes a few things, and we're going to talk about this morning. It takes faith. It takes character. It takes dependence. And it takes timing. So this morning, what I want to do is, is I want to go in and, and show you some some application from some Old Testament and some New Testament. We're going to talk about all those things. So it takes faith to accomplish that what God has called you to do. How many of you think that it's always easy? It ain't easy. Oftentimes it's far from easy. It's difficult. The easy path is not the one that God has called us to. I hate to be the bearer of bad news this morning, but it ain't always easy. God sets before us a path, and it is up to us to choose to follow it, no matter where it leads us. And no matter the difficult circumstances that we might have to face to walk on that road. So turn with me this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to start in 32, verse 32. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. Faith in His ability to accomplish what He has called you to do. We have to have faith in His ability to accomplish what He has called us to do. Now, let me preface this scripture before we read this. David had just been anointed as king, okay? Samuel had come to Jesse's house, had looked at all the brothers, right? And the one wasn't there. And Samuel says, well, surely there's, you got one more around here somewhere. There's another youngin floating around here somewhere. Well, David comes strolling in, and Samuel says, oh, this is the one. So he takes the horn of oil and he pours it over David. And so David is anointed as king at this point. Now, directly after this, David's brothers are off at war. Okay? And so let's pick up in verse 32. And so he goes and he sees Goliath. And Goliath is out there mocking, right, the armies of, of Israel. He's basically got him paralyzed with fear. And so let's pick up in verse 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you were not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you were but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. 
And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord will be with you. Now, doesn't that sound like some faith? I mean, let me, let me put this into perspective here. Most scholars believe that, that Goliath's spear, just his spear, weighed 38 pounds. His spear. The head of his spear weighed 16 pounds in and of itself. Now that's a big dude. I mean, that'd be like me taking my little girl and tossing her pretty much to the parking lot. I can't do that. I'm a relatively strong guy, but I ain't that strong. That's a bad dude. Goliath was a bad dude. He had been a, war, a, a man of war from his youth. And he's sitting out there pacing on the battlefield, calling out for someone to come up to him, and the armies of Israel are sitting there just like this. I ain't going out there, are you? I ain't going out there against that dude. Paralyzed with fear. But here comes little old David, a scrawny shepherd. And did you hear how he was talking? He won't talking like he had any fear whatsoever, but complete and utter faith and trust in God Almighty. He didn't say, I think I can beat this dude. He said, I will strike down this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the armies of the living God. David had a vision and a passion that he couldn't sit back like the other dudes and just sit there and let him continue to do what he was doing. He had to act. So let's read a little bit more down in verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But underline this. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord, underline this, saves not with the sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Now let me tell you something. If y'all are feeling a little bit fearful about what it is that God has put in you and called you to, you name your Goliath. It don't have to be a man, but it can be. It can be the fear of what's going to happen to your finances. It can be the fear of making a career change. It can be the fear of, what are these people going to think about me? Name your Goliath. It doesn't matter, but it, it's applicable right here. Because guess what? The devil is in the business of standing in your way. 
He's in the business of trying to keep you from fulfilling what it is that God has called you to do. And do you know what we do? Let me tell you what we do. Instead of going up and slaying Goliath, you know what we try to do? We try to go around him. We try to just skip right on around him and get around that way. But does that really solve the problem? He's still alive. He's still there. We need to be filled with faith. Listen, I'm running a property management company. So one of the unfortunate things about what I do is sometimes I have to serve an eviction notice. It stinks. But sometimes that's what I got to do. And do you know what the, the, leg, the legality of an eviction notice is? That says that this tenant was living in, was residing in a property and had rightful rights to the property. But as a landlord, when you serve an eviction notice, you're putting the tenant on notice that says, landlord as the owner, you have no further rights to reside here. Now look, you ain't... I don't care where you go, but it ain't going to be here. Now, we need to serve an eviction notice on the enemy. That he is a tenant who's residing in us. He's standing right there in our way. But guess what? We're the landlord. Jesus is the landlord. And we got to put him on notice to say, guess what, buddy? You got to go. You got to, I don't care where you go, but you staying here ain't going to happen any longer. Because I'm not afraid of what it is that you're trying to put in my way because I know that God has given me a purpose and a plan and I'm going to fulfill that and you are standing in my way. So if you don't get out, I've got the God of all of the world, all the universe on my side that can evict you out of my life. Get out. We have to get to that place where we get filled with faith that it's not something that we draw back from. God is not a God of confusion, ladies and gentlemen. He's a God of peace. The enemy begins to sow these seeds of doubt and of fear. And we got to take hold of the faith, man, that we have in Jesus and tell him to get moving. Get going, buddy. I'm not afraid of you. That's the problem. We, we are fearful of the devil, but it blows my mind because we already know who wins. Right? Did you read the last part of the book? Guess what? We win. And if we win, then we know that God is working all things out for our good. And guess what? We can put the devil and serve him an eviction notice and say, look, buddy, I'm the rightful owner here and you've got to go. Get out. And that's all we got to do is be filled with that faith and quit being paralyzed by fear of what people are going to think about you, what the enemy's going to try to start sowing seeds of doubt, man, because God is a God of peace and not of confusion. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Listen to this in the Amplified. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, listen, of cowardice, of craving and cringing and fawning fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and a calm and well-balanced mind. A calm and well-balanced mind. Now, I don't know about you, but when I feel fearful, 
I don't have a balanced and calm mind, do you? No. It's far from that. My mind is racing. I'm thinking about all the possible outcomes and all the different you know, possibilities that are going on here. But see, I have to look back and say, you know what? God is not a God of confusion, but He's given us a spirit of power, of love, and of a well-balanced and sound mind. And I have to remind myself of that sometimes. Half the time I talk to people, I feel like I'm talking to crazy people. Is it just me? Does anybody else feel like y'all talk to crazy people? But I have to remind myself that God has has given me a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound and well-balanced mind. Accomplishing God's vision for your life takes character. Character to hold on to the purpose despite distractions. I'm going to talk about Joseph a little bit. Go to Genesis 39. We'll start in 7, 7 through 10, then we'll go down to 21. Now, how many of you know that Joseph had plenty of opportunities to get distracted. He had plenty of opportunities for character flaws to keep him from fulfilling what it is that God called him to do. Right? So let's look at this real quick. Start in verse 7. So we all know, a we'll, we'll, little backstory. Joseph tells his brothers that he has a dream, that they're all going to bow down to him. Joseph's, Joseph's brothers say, no, we're not going to bow down to you. As a matter of fact, we're going to sell you into slavery. He gets sold into slavery. He winds up at Potiphar's house because the favor of the Lord is upon Joseph. Okay, So he winds up at Potiphar's house, and he is second in command. So let's read this real quick. The master's wife has got the hots for David, or Joseph, excuse me. Potiphar's wife has got the hots for for Joseph. So it says, and after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept anything back from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her and to be with her. Now let me ask you a question, gentlemen. You're a single dude. You're a good-looking dude. And let's say that you're employed by somebody who's got bukus of money. And he's put you in charge of everything that he has. And he's got a good-looking wife. And not just one time does she approach you, but day after day after day after day, she approaches you and says, come on, baby. Now, let me just say this. A lack of character will make you fall into that trap. 
a lack of character will make you fall into that trap. Paul says, if any, if any man thinks he stand, let him take heed lest he fall. So we can all sit here with our righteous goggles on and say, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't fall into that trap. Hold on a minute. Ain't no holier than thou here, buddy. If any man thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he fall. Because just because you don't think you'll do something, you don't know what you'll do until you're in the situation. And let me tell you, if you don't have character, if you don't have complete faith and dependence upon Jesus Christ and what he has done for you and what he has redeemed you out of, it is very easy to take the bait. Very easy. And how many of you know that when you sin once, it gets a little bit easier the next time? And a little bit easier the next time? And a little bit easier? Let me tell you, talent will only take you so far. You can be the best thing since sliced bread to business. You can be the best thing since sliced bread to the military. You can be the best musician that anybody's ever heard play or sing. But your talent will only carry you so far because it's your character that sustains you. It's your dependence in knowing that th what I have is not from me. It's the complete and free gift of God that he has blessed me with. It has nothing to do with what I can and can't do. Because the gifts and the talents that I possess and have are only from God Almighty. That is character. But see, when we start getting this big old head and we got to have two double doors to get through, you see... That's talent. And before too long, that big head is going to make you topple over because your body can't take the weight anymore. So listen to this. Potiphar's wife says, She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand, and he fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, she got mad. How many of you know that Bible says, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned? She said, I'm going to fix this dude. She called to the men of her household and said to them, see, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice. Verse 19. And as soon as the master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, because how many of you are really going to believe a servant over your wife? I mean, we want to try to put it on Potiphar, but seriously, right? Would any of you want to stay in that bedroom if you believed the slave over your wife? I wouldn't. This is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. Listen to this, but underline this, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Now let me tell you something, uncompromising character 
though the, the immediate results or the immediate uh, uh, acts of what goes on because you have an un, uh, unrelenting character, just because you get ridiculed for it in the moment doesn't mean that what happens to you as a result of it is necessarily a bad thing. Because the Bible says right there that God continually showed Joseph favor. And because that he showed him favor in prison, he got to talk to the cupbearer and the baker. Right? And because of that, Joseph got an opportunity to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And so it took a little while and a long time for it to all come to pass. But guess what? Joseph did not compromise his character. He did not compromise for a moment of pleasure his eternal vision, his eternal purpose. Kind of like what I talked about last week. We have to look beyond the now. We can't look right now and just say and act on what's going on at this moment in time. We've got to look past that. Which brings me to my last point. Trust in His perfect timing. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he may run who reads it. Listen to this. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. Listen to this. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come and it will not delay. Now the biggest mistake that we make as individuals when we're trying to follow after this vision, this, this, this God-ordained uh, duty or calling is we get ahead of ourselves. We get ahead of God and ourselves. We like things to happen right now. I mean, the invention of the iPhone is just mind blowing because we can do all sorts of things right now. I can put in an order to Wingstop on my way home and make sure that my 10-wing combo is ready when I get there. I mean, that's pretty mind-blowing, isn't it? I ain't got to call them. All I got to do is just make a few touches on my screen, and it's done. Long gone are the days of waiting for everything to happen. We are a right-now society. Everything has to happen quick, fast, and in a hurry. I mean, by golly, you go to Disney World and you can check in for the ride, right? And you can come back two hours later and you've got your spot. I mean, man, when I was a kid, I remember sitting in the hot sun with my dad. Dad, when are we going to be able to get to ride this thing? And two hours later, we'd get on it. Those days are gone. Everything happens at the speed of light. But the thing about it is, is that God does not work like that because when things happen so quickly, shortcuts occur 
Shortcuts are not always a bad thing. They're good in business, right? They help us become more efficient. But how many of you know that shortcuts, when it comes to character, in people is pretty bad? See, when we take the shortcuts, we don't understand what it's really like to have to walk through the process. We hate the process. The process is no fun. You know, in, in, in my time of ministry, I've, I've had the opportunity to sit down and, and talk with many people with many different problems and issues, real issues. But do you know what the number one obstacle to them really being set free is they don't want to go through the process. Y'all ever heard that song, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die? Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. It's the process that we don't like. The process is the very thing that is going to fulfill the vision of God in your life. It is going to equip you and give you the ability to accomplish the vision. When we get ahead of ourselves in God, we can create Ishmael, right? So we know about Ishmael. We know that Abraham, right, he got, uh, he got a little impatient. He said, uh, God, I know that you said that you were going to give me a son, and you're going to make me a father of many nations. But, you know, Sarah and I have been talking about this thing, and we think it would be a good idea if we just went ahead and kind of made it work. So Abraham gets with Hagar. And Ishmael today is continuing to fight with Israel. Ishmael is fighting against Isaac. That's what it is. All that junk going over on the Middle East, yeah, you can thank Abraham for that. Because he was trying to get ahead of himself and ahead of God. He didn't want to go through the process. And it took some 27 years, is what, it's about what we believe, 27 years from the time that God said that he was going to give Abraham Isaac to the time that it actually happened. Now that's a long stinking time. But Abraham was unable to submit to the process. See, here's the thing. God's vision for your life might take a lifetime to fulfill. It might take a lifetime to fulfill. Nelson Mandela spent 30 years, was it, in prison? Right? 30 years in prison. And he finally gets out and after he gets out, he sees the vision of what God put in him accomplished. Now, if God told you that his vision and his purpose for your life was going to take 40, 30, 40, 50 years, half of us would throw our hands up and say, forget it. Right? Forget it. I ain't in it for the long haul. I can't do that. Let's look at Jesus for, for an example. Galatians 4, 4 through 5 says that 
But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Ladies and gentlemen, timing is everything. Timing is everything. So, we all remember VHS and beta, right? So back 30 years ago, that was the perfect time to get in on that pony. VHS made a killing. Beta didn't. They did things a little bit better, right? People adopted VHS, and it changed the world. But how many of you right now today are scrambling to go get a VHS? We can watch it on our iPads, on our phones, on our DVRs, on our Netflix, Hulu, Roku, all that good stuff, right? Timing is everything. Timing is everything. After Jesus was born, think about this. Why did God wait 33 years from the time that Jesus was born to go to the cross. We just heard in Habakkuk, right? Though it waits, wait for it, because it will be fulfilled, and it won't delay. Timing is everything. Now listen, in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, Jesus, basically Mary and Joseph pack up and start heading out, and they look around and they're like, oh my gosh, we've left Jesus, where is he? Right? I mean, I'm like, really, guys, you left your kid. Seriously. You didn't realize that Jesus was not with you at the moment? But they go back and they get Jesus and, he, and they find him in the temple and he says, did you not know that I was about my father's business? Right? But then it goes down a little bit later and listen to what it says. In Luke 2.52 it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Now could Jesus have died on the cross at 15? Sure. But Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with man. Because you see, the thing about it is, is that when Jesus died at the age that he did, right, he had the opportunity to gain favor with God and with man. And so that when his ministry was launched, he already had a voice. People don't care what you know till they know that you care, right? Jesus was astounding the Pharisees and the religious people at a very early age. But how many of you want your 14-year-old to tell you what life is all about? I mean, seriously. If your son or daughter comes up to you at 14 and says, look, I know what this thing is all about, you're like, okay. Yeah, you got it all figured out. Let me know how it works out for you. Don't you think that Jesus' ministry was made much easier by starting when it did? You have to realize that there is a perfect 
and appointed time for you to fulfill what it is that God has called you to do. It ain't going to come a minute before or a minute after when it's supposed to. Think about this. The religious leaders tried to kill Jesus multiple times before they actually arrested him. Coincidence? Nope. Because Jesus was arrested at Passover. And that is significant. Because God knew that by that act right here, he was making a connection and a bridge with the Jewish people. He knew that they would understand that Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. You read scriptures and it said, and Jesus escaped, right? He magically escaped each time they tried to come after him. But yet at the appointed time, he stood still and surrendered himself. Satan offered Jesus the opportunity to rule without the cross. He offered Jesus that shortcut we were talking about, right? That he could circumvent the process. Both examples that I just gave you earlier today with David and with Joseph, they had opportunities, or better said, distractions, to press beyond God's timing. David had been anointed as king and being pursued by Saul so that Saul could kill him, and yet David refused to take the crown by his own hands. That was an opportunity. That was the opportunity for the distraction for David to say, you know what, it's mine and I'm going to take it. Right? To circumvent the process. Because David was learning dependence upon God Almighty. He was learning what it meant to depend on God for him to accomplish the purpose and not for David to get in the way. And so this whole time, Saul is pursuing David to try to kill him, to try to kill him. And David has a couple of opportunities to kill him, right? And what does he do? He lets him go. Because David does not want to be a part of putting his hand on God's anointed so that it could say that David took the crown, right? He wanted to be able to say, God gave this to me, and I did not take it. Joseph waited in prison for years before the divine appointment with Pharaoh. Had the cupbearer mentioned Joseph to Pharaoh sooner, who knows what would have happened. But Joseph spent years and years and years in prison, and he refused to be puffed up by his own knowledge. He refused to be puffed up by his own, his own wisdom. And because of it, he encountered success by the hand of God. And it had nothing to do with Joseph himself. It had everything to do with the fact that he had faith to believe that God could accomplish what it was he called him to. He had the character to stand firm and not get distracted by his circumstances. And he knew that timing was everything. 
Now, this morning, I know that you might feel like you're floundering around. God, I, I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know what it is. I, I just I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm in a massive ocean just floating aimlessly. But I'm here to tell you this morning that if you have faith to believe that God is able to do something greater in you than you ever thought possible, God has, he understands and knows what it is that you're going through. But his timing is perfect and divine. And that perfect and divine timing, it might seem like it's far away. It might seem like it's delayed. But I'm here to tell you, it comes at the appointed time. Go back and read Habakkuk chapter 2. Go back, look, look, let's, let's let's hear it again. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. For the vision, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it and it will surely come. It will not delay. Write that on your mirror. (laughs) We all got vanity mirrors probably. Take a Sharpie and just write it right there. Keep it before you. When Sarah and I moved to Colorado, before we moved to Colorado, from my lovely home state of North Carolina, which I still love very much, we heard God speak and tell us to move here. We had no idea why. Our family was there. I'm an only child. My mom and dad don't have any other children, no other grandchildren. It's extremely difficult. But when God said to go, Sarah and I wrote, you remember that, babe? We wrote this letter. It was like a page long. And it was a declaration of what God had put in us. We made the decision. We hadn't sold our house yet. We hadn't done anything. We hadn't told anybody, and we wrote this page-long letter as a declaration that basically said, God, we don't know what it is that you're doing, but you're doing something. We don't know what it is that you're calling us to, but our ears are lent to you. And the scripture that we used is that Abraham, God told Abraham to leave. He told Abram, leave your father's house and go to a land which I will show you. And that's all we had. That's all we had to hold on to. I didn't have a job out here. Sarah was going to be nanny and her two sisters. Her, her dad and stepmom were kind enough to let us live in the basement while her stepmom was deployed. We lived in the basement. We didn't have any debt. Bless the Lord. We had an opportunity to start running this company that was a little tiny startup company that was making no money. We had 11 properties when we moved here. I had a job at a bank, a job interview at a bank. Talked to the, the CEO, met with them, had a wonderful, wonderful meeting with them, and they offered me the job. Now, keep in mind, I'm gainfully unemployed. And the CEO calls me up and he says, hey, we enjoyed your interview. We think you'd be a great fit for our company. 
You want to work for us? Sarah and I prayed about it. Had an opportunity to make a guaranteed salary, a good salary, or we had an opportunity to stay and work in this little tiny property management company that was making no money. So I called the CEO. I said, you know what? I appreciate the opportunity. It's an honor that you would consider me for it. But my wife and I have prayed about it, and we feel like that this is the path that he wants us to take. So we start running this company, and we see the Lord's favor and blessing immediately. Time after time, we're picking up new properties. People are hearing about us. They like what we do. And seven and a half years later, we go from 11 properties to 220. Now, is it anything that, that we've done other than being obedient to the Lord Jesus and other than saying, God, it is not us, but it is in you. You are our reward. You are our exceeding great reward. And God, we followed your vision and what you had for our life. And even though it's difficult, it's so hard being away from our parents. It breaks my heart. But at the same time, at this point in time, I know that I know that I know that I know that we made the right decision. We made the right choice. We made the right call by staying faithful and believing that God was able to do more than what we could see at the moment. That it was bigger. He had a larger, grander plan that went beyond just working for a bank. It allows me to work with my wife every day, and there's not a day that goes by that I don't cherish it. I love working with her. I love seeing her every day. I love being able to take off a little bit early and pick my children up. I love the fact that I'm the boss. And not because I like power, that ain't it. But I like the fact that I can come and go as I please. And many of you business owners know that that ain't very often, right? But at the same time, God's favor has been upon us from day one. And that's a true testimony today. That's a real application of what I just talked to you about. Having faith, having character, and knowing that timing is everything. And dependence upon him is everything. And so the vision might be small. It might be tiny. But God can take something small. He can take five loaves and two fishes and feed 5,000. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. I hope that you have gotten something out of these last couple weeks, man. I have enjoyed standing before you and, and, and delivering these messages. They have been real to me. <laughs> they have been real to my wife and I, my family. And I pray, I pray that, that by some, by God's awesome wisdom, that he has imparted something into you that you can take and apply to your life. 
and lean and depend on him. My, one of my favorite scripture verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord and lean not in, his own under, in your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you. Trust in him. Don't lean on what all this, all this stuff, this gray matter in this brain right here, right? This can get in the way. This can get in the way of what God is calling you and asking you to do. And so this morning, all I want to encourage you to do is surrender to him and his perfect will, his perfect plan for your life. And it might seem small, right? It might seem like a, like a small thing, but it can absolutely transform your life if you stay submitted to God Almighty. Amen? Stand to your feet with me this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for us. Lord God, and that when we grab hold of that vision, that it becomes something that invigorates us. We can't help, Lord, but pursue it. And Father, I pray that for every individual in this room who hears these words right now, Lord God, that you would inspire them. Inspire them to do greater, to lean upon you more, Father, to have faith in you, to have faith in the fact that you have created us, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that your plan and your purpose is bigger than we could ever think or imagine. And Lord, I pray that we would have the faith to believe that you are able to accomplish it in us, that it's not for everybody around us, but it's for me. And Father, I just pray that, that as we go throughout this week, Lord, as we navigate through life, Lord God, that we wouldn't get caught up in all the distractions, that we wouldn't get ahead of your process, ahead of your timing, Lord God, but that we would surrender ourselves wholly to your calling. And Father, I pray that you would, uh, next week as we uh, go out into our community, Lord God, that you would just have a mighty impact in our community, Lord. Lord, that there would be others who know and understand and see the hope that we have in Jesus. And Lord, that it would be contagious. Not something that's fake, not a facade, but Lord God, something that is real to each and every one of us. And Father, that we live with purpose. That we live with vision. Lord, and that we would write it down. That we would write it on tables, Lord God. And though it waits that we would wait for its appointed time to come to pass in our life. Lord God, in the storms and the season that we're going through in this very moment would not dictate the outcome of what it is that you have planned for us to do. And Lord, I thank you for every person here today. Keep them safe this week. Give them a wonderful, productive, and fruitful week, Lord God, and bring them back here safe again next week. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you guys for the opportunity to share with you. Hopefully we'll see you next week.